The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. So what are you drinking today? Ha! Well, the reason you're asking me is because you're like setting yourself in a new bathing suit in Florida. Yes. Well, I'm sitting here in actually sunny Seattle. Nice. And as you know, when you travel, I'm pretty much devoted to simple drinks. So (laughs) I'm going to stay with what I love to drink every day, which is a gin martini. And today I made it with four shots of Tangeray gin and a half shot of Dolan vermouth and two or three dabs of orange bitters and an orange peel. Perfect. To give it the aroma. So it's perfect, as you can imagine. You know, when you say orange peel, like I have an actual reaction like i almost smell orange here (laughs) oh yeah it's such a beautiful aroma you know when that essence of the orange peel is sprayed over the glass when you bring it to your nose you just get that complete floral experience of being in an orange tree it's really it's fantastic and of course it's a perfect because we've perfected it it's a perfect cocktail it is a perfect Yeah, and I think that for people who maybe don't like Tangeray, they should try and make it with a different London dry gin. But for us, for our flavor profile. Oh, yeah, there's tons of gins, and people have their own flavor. And so I think they should try a gin that they like. Yeah, and so I'm happy with this because it ticks all the boxes for us, and it's a perfect cocktail, and I'm excited to be able to reliably make it and reliably enjoy it. (laughs) That's brilliant. The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. So today, Lady Petra and I find ourselves about 3,200 miles apart. It's kind of a long way. Yeah. And we live, you know, we live in a 24-7 total power exchange dynamic, which means we have sex 
of some sort literally every day. We have for four years. Yeah. With one or two exceptions when you've been on the road or I have. And one of the things that we're finding, because this is an extended stay, you're gone for two weeks. So one of the things we're finding are ways to keep the heat in our dynamic. True. True. I have a comment to that, but yes, true. Well, go ahead. Well, you know, I don't know if we sit there and think to ourselves, we're apart, so we have to intentionally make this connection. I think we feel the need like in our bones and it happens very naturally. You know, it's not like I say, oh, it's two o'clock. I should send him a text or I haven't heard from him. I should do this or, oh, it's this. It's way more organic than that. But because we're on the same intention and journey together, which I think is key, it's just happens that way. And because we're so, we have the hots for one another. This is the first time in my life I've felt like sexting with someone feels very normal. Like feels very real. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even mean to say that we aren't explicit and things like that because we are, but I know I've never shirked away from that ever. Like, I don't think to myself, I mean, I can say to you that's dirty or naughty or I'm whatever I can play that. Right. But in my bones, in my essence, I don't really feel that way. I feel like it's just an expression of our sexuality. Oh, for sure. You know, we have a lot of protocols in our dynamic. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, even though you're away, you're still exploring sending me a note every morning along with Mm your inserted butt plug photograph. And that's a protocol. And and let's give context to that because I don't think people know what we're up to. I'm not that I want to divulge. Well, why don't you share? I don't want to divulge our private because some of our stuff is just private for us. You know, it's our world. I am an exhibitionist, so I do share quite a bit. But I share it in the context of what we're creating, not necessarily our sure. like intimate relationship. But for example, when I'm home, I, on my own, this is, it's become a norm for you because you expect it now, but I, on my own, chose to write you a love note when I leave for the day at work. So that, because I leave so early and I leave it for you. And it's just something that I know you love it. You tell me so. And if you miss a note, your your day is not created like you normally think. But for me, it's really an expression of my love for you. And it's very present because however I'm feeling in that moment is what dictates either what I'm going to send you or write for you. My point is that you do that every day and it really is a protocol that we now anticipate on a day-to-day basis. But even though you're away, you're continuing to do that via text. You actually send me a love note in the morning, which I just love. You know, right. It really brightens my day. Right. I go searching for something that, and I really read through tons of things to find something. It really has to move me in the moment where I'm at presently. It's not to impress. It's not to... It really is a selfish moment of my, I guess my, if you want to call it my barometer of where I'm at with our dynamic and how I feel. And I find something and it lights me up like you light me up. And I go, yes, this is what has to be sent to him today. And, you know, it's so simple. But when you talk about 
your partner waking up to a text from their love that creates them for the day. It's powerful. Truly is, you know, and as part of our protocol, when you're away from home, you wear a butt plug. So you take a photograph of that and send it to me. Yep, I do. And most people don't understand what that means, but you literally wear a butt plug when you're away from home. Yeah, they don't understand like everything that it means because, you know, I wear a butt plug. I have an hour commute there and back with a butt plug. I have work with a butt plug and I usually work out at work with a butt plug. Now, you are very reasonable if I was to have a problem, which I think there when I was first discovering what plug worked for me, I remember telling you I was having issues in the sense of the different shapes of the head of the butt plug were bothering me, like just from sitting or from working out. And uh, you would give me permission to remove it, you know, so I wouldn't cause undue harm because the goal is not to create injury so I can't be used as your slut. You know, that's the whole point, right? What I've come to find is I found a perfect one that works for me really well. And I'm happy that I was able to explore that with you and find something that works. Yeah. So I get your love note. I get a photograph of your inserted butt plug and that starts our day. And then we communicate and because you're away from home and you're my colored slut, I've given you a task to do every day, which is, well, let me back up. You know, for the past couple of months, I've been clitifying you, which is to say I've been clit training you. Yeah, yeah. And it's really fun. It's been like a really interesting exploration of sexuality to be clit training you, both from my point of view and yours. Of course, you get wicked pleasure. Yes, it's fantastic. And you've given me the freedom to... You know, because you never know what my work day is going to have, even if I'm traveling. And so you've given me freedom within that to create the structure that works for my schedule. And then it's kind of neat that way anyway, because I get to surprise you like, hey, guess what? Here's a surprise. I get to show you here I'm pumping my clit and here I'm edging for you. I, I just think it adds a layer of excitement to a relationship or dynamic. Sure. It goes well beyond just adding a layer of excitement. You know, I said to you that your duty while you're gone and you're my service submissive and so you're an obedient submissive who serves me by being correct in your actions. Right. Your duty is to keep your clit, which I've worked on training and pumping for the last few months, to keep it pumped and sensitive while you're gone. <laughs> right. Yeah. And talk about how to keep a girl hot. You make her pump her clit and edge and, you know, do that sort of thing all day. <laughs> well, I tell you, today even, I was picking out, <laughs> it was fun to share with you. I was picking out a new swimsuit and sharing with you what I was trying on in the dressing room. And I think even, and I didn't mention this, but like really, truly, the experience of doing that and sharing with someone I care about who, you know, ultimately I want to see, see me in that swimsuit, right? Was hot and made my clit excited, right? Sure. And then being able to be in public in that suit, yeah, it was hot and it made my clit excited. So what, so I haven't really pumped yet today, but the whole point is feel clit expressed today in a way that is something... I haven't had it in literally a decade. I mean, that's how long it's been. And I know people might go, what? You know, but (laughs) 
that's the truth. In fact, the sales lady was there and I said to her, you're going to think terrible of me, but I said, I haven't bought a new bikini in 10 years. And this is like a huge thing for me today in the sense of a new life. And she was just really supportive. It was just a great experience, I have to tell you. So thank you for encouraging me on that. Oh, that's really awesome. Yeah, so those are ways that we keep our excitement in. Right. And then beyond that, the next most important thing we do, I think, is we talk about how it's going to be when you come home. Because you've been gone for two weeks, you're edging all the time. Yeah, you're creating me when I come home. You're creating that. Oh, yeah. You're putting that together and creating what we both expect upon my return, which is exciting. It's something to look forward to. Totally is. I'm already excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, the intention of all of this is we have created our dynamics so that it's king forward and sex forward. And so we have a agreement, let's say what it is. It's an agreement to keep our relationship alive in the realm of sexuality and kink. Right. And, you know, just because you're traveling, it doesn't take anything away from our agreement. We still have that experience of each other and we choose to call it a responsibility, even though the word responsibility sounds like a heavy word. It's really just the ability to respond to each other. That's what response and ability means, right? The ability to respond in a very sexual way. And we keep it fun and exciting, you know? It's not like a heavy thing. We, We sort of are playful with each other and we make it really just sexy and fun. And I'm sexually very aroused by you naturally. Like, I just can't wait for you to get home. I want to just tear you apart, right? Me too. (laughs) Right. And so it's not hard. This isn't a hard thing to do. It's not like a, a, a chore, let's call it, to try and create something that isn't present in our relationship. Our sexuality is very present. And so we keep our communication very light and fun and sexual. And it doesn't minimize when we switch immediately to a very serious topic, which we might do. But we experience each other in a very free sexual way, even when you're apart, and especially when you're apart, really. I think what comes to mind is if people have participated in or allowed there to be space in their relationship or dynamics, I think that's where what we're doing now might feel like work because people usually, when it feels like work, it's because people are keeping score and they've got to a point where there's space, obviously. So how does someone backpedal for that? Because I think that's a majority of the population is that. I don't think a majority of the population is where we are at. But how do they get back closer to where we're at? Not that we're the gold standard, but I recognize that I too have been far away from where we are now. Yeah. And didn't know how to navigate back to that. Do you have any thoughts on that? That's a really great question. You know, I think we made a couple of really important agreements in our relationship at the beginning that have made it easier for us to create a very erotic sexual context to our relationship. And one of those agreements was that there is no space between us. We just have an agreement that there's no space. And then there's a corollary to that agreement, which is we're each responsible that there's no space. And so if you're responsible that there's no space between us, and I am responsible that there's no space between us, 
it's pretty easy to keep no space between us. And we found that because of our experience of each other in our kink dynamic, the experience itself is a very intense sexual experience. And so you have to remain present in the experience of the kink. And we've taken that being present one step further. We're trying to be present in everything we do so that when you're away, I'm present to that. I'm responsible for that there's no space in our relationship and that we're a sex-forward, kink-forward couple. Even while you're away, I'm still committed and driven by that commitment to ensure that you feel loved, desired, wanted, lusted over, even while you're gone. Obviously, that's where we're at because we did that at the beginning. But what about people that don't have those agreements? Where do they, you know, because the whole point is we created this from nothing. That's a huge benefit to us in the sense of we create this open space, right? But a lot of people are already in relationships or dynamics. It's already, the tone has been set. There's, you know, history, what have you. But that doesn't mean people can't reconnect, refine oh, for sure. that link. Oh, for sure. So how do they, if they're in, entrenched, right? Yeah. What are the things they can do to create that? Well, you know, one of the things that we have with each other that makes it easy is that we both have a very high sex drive. It's not uncommon for a couple to have one partner who has a higher sex drive than the other. And so it's incumbent upon the partner with the highest sex drive to take an action to bring their partner along. And a really great drill that I think helps people is if you put three pillows on the floor and the person being talked to sits on one pillow and the person doing the talking sits on one of the other two pillows. And then they ask the person at the top, they say, tell me everything you want me to do to you. And then they tell them. And then they go to the other pillow and they say, tell me everything you want to do to me. And then they tell them. Then they switch sides and then they do that again. And they keep doing that again and again until they get to an agreement about how to bring sexuality into their relationship. Once you have sexuality, then it's a good time to have a conversation about we shouldn't have space between us because you can't be present sexually, even in a vanilla relationship, if you're doing something else in your head, if you're not present. And you can relate to this. I mean, you told me that when you were in your past relationship, you could do the laundry list in your head. You could do the shopping list in your head. You could plan the logistics of the week in your head while you were getting fucked because you just weren't present. Right. Yeah, I would say... If I was to give someone advice, I would say exactly what you said to do with the three pillows. I would say, and this is because I'm a demi-saviosexual, so I'm trying to just feed this to the world, which I think, I don't mean to say that all women are demi-saviosexuals or even that at all. What I know is women have complex vocabulary and use two to three times as many words as men in a day on an average and actually they need to use those words. So I was laughing at myself today. I recognize that I'm alone and I don't have many people to talk to. So I talked a lot today at my beginning of work in the early part of the day. And I noticed as the afternoon waned, I actually proactively went and talked to several groups of people that I shared with you, probably to get my words out. I don't know. I mean, I had things to say, but, but I really think that's true. And I know it's a, a funny thing for a man to hear, but it's true. Otherwise, you just kind of vomit and talk at your partner. 
So what I do know is when you're going through that process that Saffer just described, I think you can make it playful and fun. You know, you can sit on these pillows. Yes, you could be clothed, but maybe you could be unclothed. That might be a really fascinating thing to get comfortable with your body. But if you're not comfortable with your body, then stay clothed. But you can do things to make it intimate and an exciting uh, moment, like share some wine. But what I would say, and I'm not a prude at all, but I would say, but I wouldn't necessarily then go fuck afterwards because you're trying to come up with what you want as agreements. And I know Safford and I did our agreements like well before we became sexually intimate. There's something to that. Plus, if you forego that, I'm just saying, it builds up excitement, intensity. Both of you are thinking, oh my God, I want to do these things to this person. This person wants to do these many things. It's foreplay, if you will. And I think we miss out on foreplay. And Saffer, you can explain this more, but we have tons of hours of foreplay before we even see. No, it's true. Our foreplay starts early in the morning. I tell her what she's going to experience in the afternoon. And then as the day goes on, I tease her with tidbits. And then when we begin our scene, I start with hypnotizing her into a trance state. And that's all part of our foreplay. I think what you're getting at, though, is a very important consideration, which is if you're in a male-female relationship and your wife has or your girlfriend has words, as a man, you need to listen to those words because that's what you were getting at. Women use a lot of words, which is fine. And you also need to wrap it into the whole experience of being sexualized. You know, when I was married to my vanilla wife, who was the preacher's kid and also kind of a bit of a prude, so she had sex for procreation, let's just say. I read about a woman in New York who did a piece, I can't remember which magazine it was in, I think it might have been in The New Yorker, about how she started to have sex with her husband every day. And the impact of that on her was she became way more of a sexual creature, right? She literally started thinking differently about the way she dressed and thinking about the way she dressed for sex and so on. So, you know, just increasing the frequency of the way you engage with your partner sexually is a really good way to put sex back into your conversation. Right. And I've been there. I recognize, too, that people go, well, the energy and I don't have the energy. I'd rather just sleep. I get that. And a lot of the times that is engaged because you've already at this point, you don't have agreement, obviously, because you're not motivated. And there's space that exists. It's amazing when space doesn't exist, how energy comes back miraculously. Really, it isn't that energy just appears. What it is, is motivation to make choices that change your current situation. And I think I can have a really rough day, a tough day, just a challenging day, and still come home equally excited to spend time with Saffer 
because that's my chosen one. Like I work as a means to an end. Like I have to work. We all have to work. That's just part of life, right? But I don't have my identity wrapped up in that. It is my identity is to get home, to spend as many hours as I can with the person I choose. And remarkably, it's kind of depressing sometimes when you actually do the math and say, well, how many hours am I sleeping? And how many hours do I... And we're not talking just sitting with your partner. We're talking quality hours. How many hours do you actually spend with your partner? Engaging with them. Spending time with them. Being with them. That's the key we've found is that I don't do laundry lists or shopping lists even. In fact, if Saffir has come up with an idea about what he wants for dinner that week and wants to create some recipes, I, I tell him, okay, I got to go to my list. Because I'm not thinking in that mode. I'm not wired any longer where I just listen to what he says and say, okay, I'll create a list. And then I've got this list running in my head. I'd actually have to stop and create the list on my phone so it's out of my head until I need to use it. There's something powerful about that because then I don't carry this useless garbage and I have all the energy still to give back to him in the moment. And I think for women who often are, you know, running a family, you start to go into a mode of like all organizing all these little people's time and the family time. And I think you lose track of where you are in that world. No, it's true. The fastest way to give up your sex life is to have children. (laughs) So it's important after you have children to actually give some consideration to your sex life because it's one of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, being sexually satisfied. And it's very important. Yeah. Maslow doesn't have hierarchy of needs of, it doesn't say have children. That isn't a hierarchy need. No. Like it's not actually a hierarchy need, but sex is. It is. Absolutely is. Yeah. No, it's true. You know, a lot of what we're describing lives in the world of relationship, right? A lot of it is that we have a really good basic relationship that allows us to build our sex life on top of that without any constraint. And I think that it comes back to that same conversation around space because it's really clear to me that you know, we can do kinky things and we can have a gratitude practice and we can do all of that and still have space. But if you deal with space, you actually get at what is really important in relationship, which is to set aside the thoughts you're having in your head about what's happening somewhere else while you're doing the thing you're supposed to be doing, which is fuck it, right? So it's very important to, in order to keep the heat in your relationship, is to stay present that your sexual self-expression is at the source of your relationship. And it gives you access to like a broader conversation about closeness, intimacy, vulnerability, and so forth. I mean, even it was interesting today because the pool I'm at has a three-inch lip, like a second ledge, if you will, that's kind of angled, but it's still maybe not even a foot wide But it catches water, so you can actually, I mean, I'm not very big. The reality is I can actually lay on that step and be halfway in the water and halfway out. And while we're chatting, you say, oh, reach down and touch your pussy or something like that. And I'm at a pool, (laughs) quite literally, with all kinds of family all around. And so I think to myself, how am I going to do this? 
discreetly, how am I going to do this in a way that I'm obedient? But God damn it, that is super exciting to even have that as a thing for me to think about. Like, even if I failed at that, because I felt, you know, I didn't fail because I'm an exhibitionist, but let's just say I did. Let's just say it was just way too much for me. There's too many people. I couldn't figure it out, right? Which is fine. There's nothing wrong. Even just explaining that to Saffer in the heat of the moment, telling him what the circumstances were or whatever I'm trying to do, it doesn't take away the hotness. It's not a, a loss. It's still a win. It, it's it's about the titillation of two people sharing something. And I can't, it's like, I feel like we've found the Holy Grail on this kind of thing because- We did. And what we found- There's nothing wrong. No, but what we found is that our kink is communication. Right. We actually found that if you communicate around these things, I'll give you an example. So the other night- Lady Petra came home and she was like stuck on her phone and we were supposed to be cooking in the kitchen, right? And she was on her phone doing this and doing this and doing this. I didn't know what she was doing. And I was getting like frustrated because she's supposed to be helping me in the kitchen because she's my sous chef, but she wasn't. She was on her phone. And then, you know, we sort of got through the kitchen and we got to and afterwards I said to her, I have a question for you. What were you up to on your phone? Because I was thinking, because I'm a meaning making machine, I'm human. I was thinking, you know, she's not paying attention. She's not present. Da, 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 da. And she said, oh, no, no, I'm running, which I support. I want her to be fit and healthy. And so I was just trying to figure out the Strava app on my phone. I wanted to make sure I get my run actually cataloged. And for me, like, that's a high priority. And so I could set that aside and not let space occur. That is sourced in communication, right? And that's the ability to communicate around something and not let that something become something more because what we know about human being is that as human beings, we have a tendency to make meaning out of fucking everything. Oh my God. I know. Yeah. And so if I can not make meaning out of you being on your phone, then there's not an accumulation of she's not paying attention to me. She's not this. She's not that in my head. And you got to get like all of this is happening in your head, that none of this is in reality. We just make sure. It's not real. real. Right. Yeah. But the point is that I was able to communicate with you something that was in my way of having there be no space and you could clear it up in a second and we could move on. I could let it go. Right. And that's what I'm talking about. It's communication that actually gives you access to the sort of sex we're having. And I've got to tell you, the sex we're having is out of this fucking world. <laughs> it's so amazing. Like, I don't even know. Like, there's, it's hilarious. People on FetLife will say things like, what's the biggest cock you've ever had or whatever. They just, out of the blue, it's amazing what people say. And I'm like, you obviously don't know who I am because that's not how I'm wired. Like, that doesn't come into consideration at all until I've connected with someone. And then when I've connected, it's fucking the best thing I've ever had because I'm connected, right? Then someone asked me today, like, do you role play? And I say, I don't role play and no disrespect to role players. But I said, I live this. This is 24 seven. I live a lifestyle. There's no room to role play, right? I was going to just say, I think that there's a world of sexuality and kink where people take on roles that they fantasize about with a partner who's open to a role play situation. And then they go about their business in the rest of their life. 
for us, because we're in a 24-7 dynamic, we actually live inside of a dynamic called sexuality. Like that's our actual life that we live. And so we don't need to take on roles because we're actually being who we're intending to be all the time. Like you said something to me early in our relationship, which I was really like struck by. You said, I want you to be your complete self-expression as a sexual creature. I want you to release the Kraken. This is the way you put it. <laughs> yes. You know, and I'm a sadist, right? So she's asking a sadist to just go fucking nuts on her. And that's because it's not a role. Like being a sadist isn't a role. It's by nature. Right. And I want you to be, because we're both on a journey. We are playing together, obviously. Yeah. And we're in this dynamic together. But no matter how hard you try, you're not in my skin and I'm not in your skin. We're very close. Like this energetic exchange that we have within the last year or so has been epic, right? Oh, yeah. Where I feel more inside your electrical system than I i don't even know. I've never experienced that with someone else. I've had experiences out of body. If you've seen Avatar, this is what we're experiencing. Yeah, exactly. So... I mean, that's what we're up to. And we are communicating in a way to prevent us from having space. And that's the key. I was going to bring up the same thing I talked to you about the pool. You asked me to touch myself at the pool and send you a picture. And here I am with all these people. And so I thought about that for a second. And I looked around for an opportunity because an exhibitionist gets really good at finding opportunities. More so, I think than the common person sees. Like I can see opportunity and spaces for things that are super naughty where no one will notice what's going on. So that's the evil part of me. But I also thought if I don't find the opportunity, then am I failing? Am I wrong as a submissive? And I thought to myself, no, because what will happen is I'll use our kink, which is communication, and tell you that it isn't safe, you know, legally safe or what have you. It's just not appropriate. It's not going to work, right? Because you're not with me. You don't know. And you trust me to make a safe decision, right? Right. Because all of this wraps up to me making safe decisions so we keep our dynamic healthy. And part of being healthy is me not going to jail, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I have a question for you. So you're an exhibitionist. Yes. And you find opportunities to do things where nobody's going to notice. So how does that kind of balance? Because if you're an exhibitionist, don't you want people to see you doing things? Well, I mean, some people see me. I know they see me. But like if we're talking about minors, I'm sure. worried about that situation, right? This is an adult-only pool when it's a family-friendly pool. I've already scouted out the pool and know who the prudes are and who the kids are, right? Right, right, right. So I have to find... The opportunity, you know, basically what it is, what it comes down to is I am looking for creating as close as I can without talking to people of exhibitionist situation where I feel in general, I have consent, but I I definitely haven't talked to these people. Right. Well, consent is a big deal. It is. And I know that I haven't talked to people and actually formally got consent, but I have that forefront in my head that. I shouldn't be doing something that someone is going to find offensive. No, exactly. Yeah, that's not that's not the intention. Right? Because I've broken consent. And so I recognize there are a few individuals who have probably given me looks before multiple times. It's not like I'm they go unnoticed because I'm very observant. 
and I'm not on display for them because I don't give a shit about what they, you know, because that's not what an exhibition is, is about. It's not, we don't really give a shit about what anyone else thinks. It's an expression of our freedom of our sexuality as a human sexual creature that I can express myself at any moment, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I found a moment and I was able to stick. But I did think if I can't find a moment that I feel comfortable in that scenario that I created, then I would tell you, I'd say, can I have an option? And I thought of a million things in my head, not even knowing what you would say, but I thought to myself, if I was doing this to a submissive, what would I tell them to do? You can go back to the chair and do it at the sun chair. Maybe you can put a towel over your legs and do it with the camera going down. You know, I get there are variations, but I'm bringing this up because there's not just one perfect way to be, which makes you a sexual creature. Just because I was an exhibitionist today and stuck my hand down into my bathing suit in a very public way, right? Yeah. Doesn't mean that if you went back to your chair and had a towel and you lifted the towel and took a shot of yourself doing that is any less of an action. What it is, is you are serving and trying to obey your dominant, if that's the dynamic you're in, right? Yeah. And that is what's hot. It's the obedience that's hot. Granted, you know, if you're sticking down or flashing your tits or whatever you're doing, that's hot too, of course. But I think for me, at least, when I try to think through it, the obedience is what's really hot. It's like doing what someone wants you to do. Yeah, and that's really a good place to sort of wrap this conversation up, right? The conversation is about how to keep it hot. And I'm a dominant and you're my submissive. And I find your obedience hot. And so when you are obedient to my demands to touch yourself, to pump yourself, to edge yourself, to, you know, finger yourself. Like all of that really is arousing to me. Right. And that keeps me like in the loop. So I can't fucking wait for you to get home. I really just can't wait. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to get home. (laughs) That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!